Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wednesday, March 27, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, not a good week for the Flyers. The Sixers come off a six-game winning streak, including your also important win against Boston with back-to-back <laughs> losses. But tomorrow is the start of something new, and we hope something special, the 2019 Phillies. And, hey, we didn't get to talk a lot about Bobby Abreu going to the Wall of Fame. And March Madness is down to the Sweet 16. Not a good show for Villanova. You know, Bill, it wasn't the best of weeks for Philly sports, given the recent last couple of clunkers by the Sixers and the Flyers being essentially out of any playoff hopes now, not to mention a dreadful showing by Villanova on Saturday, as you mentioned. But, Hey, we have a Phillies baseball season about to get started in earnest, and I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, I am too, and uh, we have a great couple guests tonight. One of them, our first one, and uh, has been with us before, and he's a true charm, the PA voice of the Phillies, Dan Baker. I'm really excited to hear from him. And our second guest, frankly, Chet, I know nothing about, so you'll have to tell us that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. Yeah, that's it. You just wanted to make sure you avoided even attempting to say it. Our second <laughs> guest is a guy Philly music fans absolutely do know, even though I admit his last name gets butchered all the time, probably by me some of the time, too. He is a founding member of the great Philly band, the Hooters, and he started the In the Pocket Music Project uh, nine years ago. He also happens to be a lifelong Eagles fan who bleeds green. The name is David Wasikinen. So there. Okay, well, I, I still haven't figured yet because I've avoided this through the whole show, I think. But at the end of the show, when we thank our guests, I somehow have to manage to do that. And uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. I'll be there to pinch hit if you need me to. There you go. Well, hey, Jet, we mentioned Bobby Abreu uh, last week. Didn't get much chance to talk to him, but he's been selected um, the 2019 Phillies Wall of Fame member. How do you feel about that? Public opinion seems to be a little bit both ways. Look, he's not going to get the love from fans that guys down the road are going to get, Rollins, Otley Howard, et cetera, when they go in. But among this year's candidates, as we discussed several weeks ago with John Brazier, Abreu and Scott Rowland were the two legitimate candidates, and I believe Abreu is a fine choice. In his nine years as a Philly, Abreu hit 303 with a slugging percentage of 513, and he averaged just under 30 stolen bases a year. That ain't bad. How about you? You okay with the choice? 
I am. I am okay. And uh, along with that, Abreu had uh, he finished his career with twenty, almost twenty five hundred hits, uh, nearly fifteen of them, fifteen hundred of them coming with the Phillies, and uh, he won a Gold Glove. He was a couple time All Star. Uh, you know, there's not many people that can, uh, you know, can put up those kind of numbers for the Phillies, and especially on this list of candidates. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he was a solid player. He was not a Hall of Famer, certainly. But I think given the list of candidates, he is the most deserving, giving the slight edge to him over Scott Rowland among the guys that they put on the list this year. So I'm fine with it, and I think he'll get a nice round of applause and a nice reception from the people who go to see him get inducted onto the Phillies Wall of Fame this August. Yeah, saw an interview with him, and uh, he was very happy to be selected. And I, I guess, you know, you get honored in any kind of Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame, anything like that, uh, it, it's certainly a happy day for you. Yes, indeed. So congrats to Bobby Abreu, and hopefully the fans will give him some love. So we're going to try to connect to our guest right now and hopefully get Dan on with us. We'll keep watching to see when we do connect. And in the meantime, Bill, Villanova, that was a clunker, wasn't it? Well, it was a clunker, and gee whiz, I don't even know what what to say about it, Chad. It started out from uh, they got down in the first couple minutes of that game, and there was just no recovery. Purdue shot the lights out, and uh, uh, you know Jay Jay Wright kind of took the blame and said it was it was all on him. But I don't know that there's anything that they could have done with it that night. Yeah, I mean, they're not the team that won the national title, certainly, a year before. They did have a pretty good season. They stumbled a bit in February and early March, but uh, I think Jay Wright's job is safe. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> not like uh, not like many of the others in Philly these days, but uh, that that's a whole other story for another day. Yeah, you got that right. And you know what, Bill, I'm having a little trouble connecting with Dan, so I'm going to have to text him and have him call into us and see if we can sort this thing out, okay? All right. Hey, hey, Chet, a lot of excitement as we've been talking about with the game tomorrow. We're going to, we're going to talk to Dan about that. Phil's opening up, but I have a funny question for you. Day game Thursday, day game Saturday, but then for TV you play a night game on Sunday in the cold of the Northlands. What's up with that? Well, it's an ESPN game, and, you know, the Phillies and Braves are both supposed to be contenders this year, so uh, I guess that's why ESPN wanted it. And interesting what the Sixers are doing with the rotation. They're pitching Nick Pavetta in the second game of the year on Saturday and saving the more experienced Jake Pavetta for that Sunday night game. So some nice maneuvering there by Gabe Kapler, I think. Yeah, well, I just thought it was funny that, you know, it's so early in the season, and it's even earlier this year, and they're going to open up with a night game on a Sunday night after you're playing two day games. Uh, but I guess TV TV pays the bills, TV does the rulings. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's an honor, I guess, to be on the Sunday night game, the first one of the season. I think the Phillies will be there a lot this year. It's going to be that kind of year for them. You know, they're in the spotlight. And I heard on the radio today that I think it was ESPN that has the Phillies third or fourth in the division behind the Nationals, the Braves, and according to somebody, even the Mets. So I think those four teams are going to be in a real dogfight, but I can't believe the Phillies are going to finish third or fourth. Well, we're going to get to our predictions a little bit later on, and I did not see those predictions, but whoever made that is smoking something. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) I hear you. Are you looking forward to year two of the Gabe Kapler era? Because I know you had a few issues with him last year. Well, I, I, you know, I think – I mean, I don't want to make this sound too trivialized, but 
How can you mess up this lineup? I mean, you, you, you've got eight guys. You've got nine, maybe ten guys that you can play on a regular basis. You rotate an infielder out every so often with Kingry. You rotate an outfielder out every so often with uh, with Williams. I, I don't see how he can very well mess this up. I don't see him playing, uh, you know, letting the dog pick the lineup again, throwing papers down the step. Hey, did you see the lineup for the opener? He's got Michael Franco hitting eighth, and I guess Hernandez will be in the seven hole. That's what it looks like, and uh, I, I think I have a little reasoning to that. I really believe the way he's got this lineup set up, uh, I said this to somebody the other day, I think he's got two fours. You know, I think <laughs> he's got he, he's got basically Franco hitting in the four spot the second time through. You know, the five, six, seven, and eight, He's hitting fourth. So it would be, what, Ramilto, Herrera, Hernandez, and then Franco. And then yeah, the pitcher and start it over again. i got to tell you, right. I love this starting lineup. I love it. I think they have a real good lineup. Not so sure about the depth. I mean, because they're going with 13 pitchers, so they really only have, what, three or four guys to bench. Your boy Aaron Altair, I know you love him. And uh, Nick Williams, of course, the reserve outfielder. And Scott Kingray, I guess, are the three main ones. Is probably, oh, the backup catcher, Andrew Knapp. And Knapp. That's about it. Right. Right. That's and and it. that doesn't really surprise me. I think it's a little, it seems a little early to, to have all those pitchers because normally you have a handful of off days like they do on Friday. But, uh, you know, it seems a little heavy from the pitching standpoint. But the way he runs through pitchers, hopefully uh, <laughs> he might need them. Yeah, I'm still worried about those starters. I mean, I think Pavetta will be better than last year. He looked really good in the spring. Everybody's high high on him, but they were last year as well. So, I don't know. I really, really hope that uh, he'll be okay, but I'm not so sure about Velasquez or Zach Eflin or whoever's going to get called up when one of those guys falter. Well, we'll see. Hey, Chet, let's jump ahead while we're waiting on Dan, and uh, I, I want to hit you up on your uh... – Guys weekend in Florida last week, it amazes me people pay a lot of money to come down to Paradise where I live, but yeah, we're glad you leave your money here. Anyway, <laughs> you saw some family, the Phillies saw some professional golf, the inside of a few pubs I see, and uh, what I want to know about is you're running into the Eagles killer, Rondé Barber. <laughs> yeah, it was a great four days down in the Clearwater, Palm Harbor, Dunedin area, but Saturday night at the Innisbrook Resort in Palm Harbor, which is where that Valspar golf event was, I was at the Osprey restaurant, restaurant and Bar, and who comes in but Rondé Barber? He apparently pops in there fairly often. And I went over to say hello, and as it turned out, I was wearing one of my fashionable Philly Press Box radio polo shirts. And he noticed that right away as we started talking. He says, ah, Philly guy, huh? And I said, yep. And as you could guess, your bucks, and you in particular, made me damn depressed about 16 years ago. I'm sure he's heard that before from other Philly area <laughs> folks. But he was real nice about it, and he said something like, yeah, sorry about that, but, hey, you guys have been riding high on the hog the last couple of years, got that Super Bowl finally. And, you know, we were joking, laughing a little bit about that, but that was the bulk of the conversation. He was great with everybody he came in contact with. Real nice guy. I think you've met him before, too. So, yeah, I have nothing but kind things to say about Rondé Barber. Yeah, Rondé's a he's a class act, and he is always around town. And uh, he actually, I believe, lives up at that golf course. Uh, you, you say that he pops in there a good bit. Uh, he lives there. Yeah. I'm I'm almost certain. So yeah, my, my uh, cousin yeah. lives there. Said she's seen him several times there. 
Yep, yep. Well, yeah, good stuff. And uh, you got to visit the visit Clearwater. You got to see Bryce Harper. Had your uh, you didn't get your picture taken with Bryce Harper, but you uh, you got to see Bryce. I'm sure that made you happy. Yeah, although he didn't have a great game. He went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and a walk in his, I guess, six innings of play. He did uh, catch a couple of balls out in right field, and the people, you know, cheered him when he went out there the first couple of innings. But not a great day offensively. He's still getting his timing. He didn't hit the two homers when I was there. He did that on Thursday. Yeah, hey, I got to tell you, Chad, I don't know if you saw this on Facebook or if he's a Facebook friend of yours, but one of my old Collingdale buddies, a guy named John Foley, John and his wife, uh, I've known forever, they're down here for a little uh, visit to Clearwater, and uh, I missed them at the game. I was trying, I actually had some tickets I was trying to give them. I missed them, and, uh, but don't they end up over somewhere at the beach at a pub uh, after the game, and who is there but Bryce Harper and his wife, and John got a picture with Bryce Harper wow. that he posted on Facebook. So he was pretty, he was pretty fired up about that, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, heck, who wouldn't be? Yeah, that's awesome. No, I didn't see that, but uh, I can't wait for this season. I'll be there tomorrow, of course. You probably knew that. I haven't missed too many openers over the years, and really looking forward to it. I hope they start off with a win, but the good news is it's supposed to be pretty good weather, uh, high in the upper 50s, maybe even 60 degrees, (laughs) and no chance of rain. So I'm looking forward to it. Did you say 50s? Hey, for up here this time of year, that is not bad. I've gone to a lot of openers where it's been like, you know, 48 degrees and damp. So I will take 58 to 60 and, you know, some sunshine. Well, I've got to tell you, right before the show, I had the the dog out in the yard, and I I came back in, and I said to my wife, we're going to have to close the windows. It's getting cold. It's like 71. Yeah, you're in Florida, pal, okay? I'm in New Jersey and Philly, so a little different here. Uh, all right, hey, let's jump out of order again, Chet. Let's hit random Q2. Explain the process, ask away. I'm ready for you, and then we'll get on with Mr. Baker, we hope. Yeah, let's do this. Let's get this part of the show out of the way. Uh, it's week eight, Bill, of our third season of Random Q2. Again, that's a 10-week series we're doing here over two minutes or so each week. I hit Bill with two questions, one about a current sports topic, the second one, one of ten random questions that were already written down a couple of months back. Bill will pick a number from one to ten each week for that one. Here we go. Some big news, Bill, out of the NFL on Tuesday as league owners okayed an expansion of the replay review system. Pass interference, both offensive and defensive, will be reviewable, and coaches will be able to challenge non-calls for pass interference. We know New Orleans is going to like this change, but what does Bill Furman think? Oh, boy. This is a loaded question, Chet. Um, I certainly see why New Orleans wants this rule. Uh, they got jobbed out of a Super Bowl. Uh, that that was certainly theirs. But as an Eagles fan, if you think back to the last play, the Hail Mary of the, the Eagles Super Bowl, if they'd have thrown a flag and given New England one more down at the one-yard line, I'm not thinking so good about that. So is it a good move or not? But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it has to be. If they're trying to do this right, I guess it has to be. Uh, the downside is you're looking for four-hour games now because how many more penalties are going to get reviewed or can be reviewed? And I guess the way the rule works, my quick reading on it, is that the box will do them within two minutes of the half and the end of the game, and then mm-hmm. their challenge plays, their challenge plays anytime during the game. So. Right. I guess their intent is they're trying not to slow the game down any, but I just see 
uh, I just see it being longer. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to limit how many times you can you know, have a challenge, so it shouldn't be too bad, and they just want to get the call right. And I don't see coaches using it on like a, a third and six, you know, in the first or second quarter. I think it's going to be, you know, when they're getting closer to scoring on a third down play maybe, especially in the second half. I don't think they're going to overuse this, so we'll see what happens. But anyway. Well, one, second, one other comment, well, one other real quick comment on that. I, I saw a quote from John Gruden. Uh, and he said, you know, in all his time in the in the booth, nine or ten years he spent in the booth, he said him and the head of referees would be there, and they would actually be looking at pass interference calls in slow, slow, slow motion, and not be able to agree on the result. So, how are how is this actually going to be able to happen and be right? I think is still in question. Well, yeah, in that case, you just go with whatever was called on the field. Again, it's got to be you know indisputable evidence. So they should not look at it for, you know, more than a couple of minutes. So we'll see what happens. They're going to try it this year and hope for the best. Anyway, for your second question, Bill, you know the drill. Pick a number now. Your remaining number choices are four, six, and nine. Uh, Let's go with number six. All right. Ah, this is perfect. I believe we established previously, Bill, that your favorite band is Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. But who is your favorite female singer? Oh, uh, that would have to be Stevie Nicks. Whoa! You know what's that funny? Would have... she's, one, she's one of mine as well, and I had two cuts loaded into our little thing here. I had one from Ann Wilson of Heart, who I love, and another one from Stevie Nicks herself. Here we go, a little Stevie for you. We didn't rehearse this, by the way, so that was just a good good choice by you. So you're going to get an A minus, A plus. What the heck? There you go. There you go. All right. Yeah, Stevie. Stevie's pretty good. She's still pretty good. I guess she was just in town uh, last week in Philly, and uh, here she put on a yep. great show as well. Yeah, and they're coming back for a second show in the very near future. So uh, I have never seen her or Fleetwood Mac. Can you believe that? Shame on me. All right, what do you want to talk about now as we continue to see if Dan uh, will check his text and call in because he is not responding to the text. We couldn't connect with him, so. It's it's prediction time. Let's just do it. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, oh we got we to gotta let the world know what we're seeing. And uh, you, wrote a, you wrote an article today that I purposely did not read in case you might have said something in there about your, your prediction. But, uh I think you and I are going to be on different pages on this. Wouldn't that be a surprise, surprise? Go ahead and let's wow. get it going. What do you think? Well, you know what, Bill? I remember last year, I'm pretty sure I didn't bring the copy, but I think you said 78 and I said 82, and they were right in the middle. They won 80 games. It looked like they were going to win a lot more for a while. They ended up right in the middle at 80. Anyway, yeah, as you mentioned, I wrote a column this uh, today, in fact, with my fearless forecast. In a nutshell, having won 80 last year with guys like Alfaro, Santana, Nick Williams and J.P. Crawford getting a bunch of playing time. This year it's Real Muto, Segura, McCutcheon, and Bryce Harper. That's a pretty significant upgrade. Now the Vegas over-under for the Phillies is 89, and that sounds very doable. I'm going to show some confidence and actually go two better than that and say the Phillies will win 91 games but finish a close second in the NL East to the Nationals and then have to take their chances as a wild-card team. So I say 91. What do you say, Bill? I'd say whatever those other guys were smoking, you must be smoking too. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, God. What's the number? 
Why? This team is going to win 96 games. Whoa! <laughs> 96 games. And here's why, Chet. There is no lineup in baseball that is anywhere close to the eight guys, well, seven. We'll, 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 the jury's still out on Cesar. We'll see where he fits in. No one close. And I think with David Robertson and Sir Anthony Dominguez in the back of this bullpen now, they've got some consistency there, assuming they stay healthy, of course. And the pitching is going to get by because they should be able to score runs. So I'm going 96. They're going to win the East, and there isn't going to be anybody close when it's all said and done. I was checking out some other predictions over the last day or two. Corey Seidman, 92. Jim Salisbury, 88 or 89, he says. Jason Stark, 87. Fred Hugo, 92. I checked in with Fred today. Our pal Robbie also says 92. Ray Diddy did not make an actual number prediction, but he said they will be a wild card team and a close second in the division to Washington. So you are more optimistic than all of those people, Bill Furman. Tell me, and, and that's, that's unusual. That, that's a yeah. little bit unusual that I am on the high end. But I had a feeling Tell that that it. was going to happen. I think I think Real Muto, I've told you, I think is a, a great acquisition. Uh, if you have a lineup that you can put a 25-home run guy in the eight-hole, you've you got a pretty darn good ball club. It's now what they added four all-stars, right, four past all-stars, uh, to this lineup. Yeah, uh, yeah. three from last I, I just – I, I just feel like that uh, there is there's no holes. There's nobody to pitch around, whether it's uh, whether it ends up being Harper or Hoskins, Hoskins or Harper. Somebody's going to get a fastball to hit, and I think they're going to have big years, especially now that they have each other. You know, I'm hoping that I can say, and this is rare that I hope to have this uh, ability to say this, but I hope I can say to you in September or early October, Bill, you were right. Well, you know, a lot of it obviously has to do with staying healthy and, and, you know, you have to have your arms healthy, but, um, you know, this, the, the relief pitching looks stronger than it has in in quite a long time. Um, you know, with Robertson and Dominguez, both look like they're good and shouldn't get in a situation to get overworked. So I, I think as long as you can fill those middle infield or middle infield, middle inning, uh, situations, but you you could fill them when you're scoring runs, and I think this team is going to score runs. And and let me ask you this: was what what am I missing regarding the Nationals? When all of a sudden did they lose Bryce Harper and get better? Well, they have a great pitching, and a lot of people think it comes down to pitching. I mean, look at their rotation. They got Max Scherzer. He's won a couple of what Cy Young awards. They have yeah, a new good. guy, Pat, Patrick Corbin, who I think they overpaid for. I mean, he's 56 and 54 in his career. He did have a good year last year, 11 and 7, 3.15 ERA, but Aaron Nola was better. So, I mean, he's going to be good, though. They have uh, Annabelle Sanchez, who they acquired from the Braves, which hurts the Braves. I'm happy to see that. Sanchez is a pretty good number three or four starter. And, oh, yeah, Steven Strasburg, who, if he can stay healthy, can be very good as well. So they have four quality starters, whereas the Phillies have, we're hoping, two or three. Well, I'll go with, I'll go with some of that. Because I always believe once you get to the playoffs, the pitching becomes more and more of a key. But you've got to get through 162 games, and Strasburg hasn't 
hasn't shown that he can do that very well, for one. Now, certainly when when uh, you're going against them and you have Scherzer, you're probably in a little bit of trouble, whether you're throwing Nola or anybody else at him, because he's pretty darn good. But I don't see in, in today's game that you're going to get by with all these shutouts, one run, two run. You better be able to score runs. And I don't see uh, the Nationals being better than the Phillies at doing that. All right, we shall see. And, you know, the Braves and Mets are both going to be pretty good also. The Mets have some great pitching. Um, I'm not sold on the Braves. I mean, they lost Sanchez. They got a couple of acquisitions. I guess McCann is back and another guy. But I think it's going to be between the Phillies and Nationals. I really do. I think they're both going to be in the low 90s in wins. You say 96, and I would love to see that. Bill, it's going to be a fun year, that's for sure. It sure is. And, uh, you know, the Mutts are still the Mutts. So until they prove they're not the butts, even when they had all that good pitching, they still couldn't win anything. So that pitch is getting a little older, been a little banged up. In my mind, they're not a factor. We are back. I don't know what happened there, but I got a message on our screen. We had been disconnected, so I had to call back in. And oh my, We have some gremlins working tonight, Bill. Yeah, I, I got the same <laughs> message, said you are not connected. There are some weird things going on. You know what I think we should try to do right now, Bill? We should try to play the Irish Rover spot. This yeah, right in the middle of talking, it just cut off. Well, hey, let's hit up the Rover, the Irish Rover, and then maybe we can get to our second guest. You know that Bill and I are big fans of our Philly sports teams, and we're also huge fans of the Irish Rover Station House. For one thing, there's a great variety of food and drink, a terrific menu, plus lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour specials, and always 24 beers on tap. But beyond that, the Rover's friendly bartenders and wait staff will take real good care of you. And there are live bands most Saturdays and acoustic music there many Sunday afternoons. Saturday night, the 30th, it's the band Clancy's Pistol. And then Sunday at 3, it's the Shots Line Trio. Of course, there's trivia every Wednesday evening. You can hurry over there right after listening to our show. It's the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Visit their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. And, oh yeah, happy 33rd birthday on Thursday to Lady Gaga. Oh, Billy. Billy, Billy, Billy. Well, hey, Chet, you know, maybe what maybe what happened is the Internet maybe just went berserk because I actually was optimistic and thought the Phillies would win more games than you. <laughs> That's what happened. You blew up the Internet with that prediction, Bill. 96 <laughs> wins. Good gracious. All right, should we uh, try to play this uh, interview with the second guest and hope that we stay on the air? Yeah, tell us about this second <laughs> guest again. You mentioned the Hooters. Um and I don't, again, I don't really know anything about this fellow other than he's a Philadelphia Eagles sports fan and a football fan, and uh, so he has to be a good man. And I know you know the Hooters. I mean, I'm not talking about the the bar. I'm talking about the band, the Hooters. You know them, I'm sure. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, David was sick and I talked the other day for about 22 minutes and could have talked for hours. Fortunately, for the purposes of our show, I managed to edit it down to 12 and three-quarter minutes and we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, he's a musician, he's a Philly sports fan, and he is a fun, fun guy to talk to. I'm alive, I'm alive, and wherever I go, it's amazing to know I'm alive. 
I love talking sports, and I love talking music, too, and we're going to cover plenty of both right here because making his first visit to Philly Pressbox Radio is a terrific drummer from the Hooters as well as David Wasikinen's In the Pocket. It's the man himself, David Wasikinen. Welcome, Dave. Hey, Chad. Happy to be alive. <laughs> you know it. Hey, Dave, I have, I have lots of questions about your bands, but let's start off with some Philly sports stuff because you are a diehard Eagles fan, so like me, i got to ask, did you breathe a huge sigh of relief the night of February 4th, 2018, when Super Bowl 52 ended and the birds finally got to raise the Lombardi trophy? Oh, my God. It was like, for all of us, an Eagles fan, lifelong Eagles fan, who had to bear with all that California crap when I was out there for 20 years, but I always got together with my Eagle brethren to watch the games out there find the Eagles nest or something to watch it but what an amazing day a year for all of us man it was like finally we get our championship the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions I didn't know what to do I didn't even know how to feel afterwards other than euphoria the complete joy of being the champs but it's such a foreign feeling when it comes to the Eagles I still painfully think about the year we lost to the Raiders. I know I watched that game with all the guys in the Hooters, and I remember we just got together. That was 40 years ago next year, and I still remember that as one of the roughest nights of my life <laughs> watching that game go down. But it was a different story this time around. I felt like the Eagles were going to win that game no matter what. An awesome feeling, man. So going forward, you have faith in Carson Wentz that, assuming good health, he'll lead the Eagles to another couple of Super Bowl titles? I do. I'm a big Carson fan. Look, a lot depends on his mobility, like after that injury. He's a gamer, you know. He was going to come back and, you know, obviously injuring his back and trying to do too much. He's a young man, you know, and he, he just, you know, you get fed all this information how great you are, and I don't care who you are, how level-headed you are, you just bring on that much pressure, and I think the guy had a lot of pressure. I think, you know, with the, the acquisition of Sean Jackson and what they're doing with the build a team around him, I think we're going to be in good shape. He's a great quarterback. i got a lot of faith in him. I think we're going to get another one. Hey, just wondering, who, who's, your, who's your favorite Eagle from back in the day? i got to tell you, man, I go back to Ben Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. So I do mean, I. Harold Jackson. I love Ben Hawkins. I remember one time, I forget who even was quarterbacking the team at the time. Maybe it was Norm Snead or something, and hit him with a pass, and his helmet came off, and he ran into the end zone. And I love Jerome Brown, rest in peace. But I, I just love the Eagles. I bleed green. Let's talk a little music. You played in various Philly bands in the late 70s and then joined forces with Rob Hyman, Eric Bazilian and yeah. company, and a little band that would come to be known as the Hooters. Did your yeah. success in the early and mid-80s, though, you know, much deserved, did it take you guys by yeah. surprise? Well, for me, it didn't. I think maybe before I joined them, they were already making records. They were signed to Arista Records, and I ended up getting this gig with these guys who were like veterans to me, even though they were just a few years older. So... I always felt like, for a little while, I was like, man, do I deserve to be in this band? And see, in 82, which isn't talked about a lot, we opened for The Who at JFK Stadium. And I kind of felt like that was a natural progression. <laughs> Maybe that's my ego. I'm going like, hmm. okay, this makes sense. We opened for The Who, played with Clash, The Clash, and Santana. Wow. But I'll tell you what, what really was kind of uh, an amazing thing was in 1985 when we got signed to Columbia Records, and then we started touring, and we toured with you know Don Henley, Squeeze, um, we played live. We played Amnesty International, and it was a great era in music, I really believe. It's always been a really nice ride. Next year's 40 years from the band. We're going to do a bigger tour next year. We're really going to try to rock it out. 
Hey, I should mention, I went to Penn State and then lived out in State College for a few years. Oh, the Ricotta. Yeah, I went to that. Did not see you guys there, though. I was there the following year, actually. But before I moved back to New Jersey in 1984, I was in State College. And then after moving back to Jersey, the first concert I went to after making that move was at the Man that September, Cindy Lauper with the Hooters. Yeah. Well, actually, we didn't tour with Cindy. We just played that date with her. We played normal dates. We did dates with her from time to time. Yeah. I met her before she sold, what, 15, 20 million records. So, uh, you know, she was just this unusual person (laughs) that I met with the red hair, kind of talked funny. But she, you know, uh, was destined for success. You know, we got to know her, we got to play on her records. Rob obviously wrote Time After Time, which became a a massive song throughout our time. (laughs) Unbelievable. Always great times playing with her. And I saw her last year opening for Rod Stewart, and she was as good as ever. Now, there was a hiatus or two along the way, but you've otherwise been playing with that band, as you mentioned, for nearly 40 years now. So many great songs yeah. by the Hooters. My question, Dave, yeah. what's your favorite one to play? You know, it's funny. I love playing All You Zombies. All you zombies hide your face. I love playing it because it's different than anything that, you know, it's like, you know, it's just a reggae type groove that I play to it that we kind of implemented in a Pink Floyd kind of way. So I always like playing that. I always think that it's always a moment in the show that I got to really gather myself mentally to be in a place to bring the tempo where it is. And people always respond to it. Honestly, I like the hits. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, <laughs> but there's sure. Some people like, enough of that. But I like the songs that we're known for. So I love watching an audience react to it. I love live performances. That's why I put out my next coming record. I just love that kind of stuff. Yep. I love it. So as a Philly area guy, you appreciate the city's great music history, which prompted uh, you in 2010 to start your In the Pocket project. Now, you're basically right. paying homage to that rich history. If you tried to mention yes. everybody who's played in ITP, we'd completely run <laughs> out of time, Dave, but tell us about yes. In the Pocket. Yeah, well, In the Pocket was a project that my wife, Dallin, and I uh, started 10 years ago. I was living in California for 20 years. I got back to Philly, and it was just the Phillies, it wasn't too long after they'd won the World Series, and the city was really on and up. The restaurant scene was happening. Rittenhouse Square had this, you know, incredible vibe. People were just super cool, and I told Dallin, I, I started telling her about a project I wanted to do, and I wanted to, we just came up with, between us, paying homage to the the great music that has come out of Philly, because Philly really is a melting pot of different kinds of music, different sounds, you know, and I believe, you know, we're known for the Philly International thing with the OJs and MSFB and all those things, but what really makes this really special too is, you know, radio and what we've been listening to over the years is an eclectic kind of thing because you got the soul, you got the folk, you got the rock, and you got the jazz because there's famous jazz guys that come out of Philly, Joe Jones, so there's a really melting pot of sounds that we all innately get into our DNA, and I want to pay homage to that within the pocket playing with guys that I never got a chance to play with because when you're in a band you're basically in a marriage and it's hard to stray and other than the session work I did with other big name artists it was really cool to work with guys like Jeffrey Gaines and Ben Arnold and Richard Bush who I adore Tommy Conwell who is like amazing Steve Butler from Smash Palace and Cliff Hillis Keith Donnelly just a ridiculous group of players and for almost 10 years now we do these gigs 
the sole survivors, 1967, that record came out. Mm -hmm. And I was not, I could stare at the cover. And now I work regularly with Charlie Ingwie, uh, rest in peace. His brother passed away a few years ago. Yeah. And the amazing T.J. Tyndall, who, who left us, was a part of In the Pocket. That was always something really special that I could be in a band, like that band bonding. It's like being on a team. And I got a posse. Hey, Dave, I want to say that your website, songsinthepocket.org, is phenomenal. Well, you got all sorts of great information you. on there about the project, yes. a gazillion pictures, plus 19 yes. videos, most of them related to the making of several of the songs ITP has recorded. Exactly. And yes. I started watching those a couple of weeks after I met you in December, and I couldn't stop. I mean, we're talking terrific wow. songs. You can't yeah. sit down. A woman's got the power. I saw right. the light, Escalator Life. And yes. most recently, you had Patti Smythe singing lead on Expressway yes. to Your Heart. The wow. Legendary, yeah. On the Expressway. Stuff. Yeah, that is Steve Aceto at Blue Wire Media does an excellent job of putting these videos together, you know, and they're on the fly a lot of times. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of time to put the, you know, production, uh, pre-production together. So a lot of it is because musicians do not always like cameras in their face, believe it or not, <laughs> when they're working. And it's amazing, you know, what he has done with that. It's great entertainment for somebody who wants to go check it out and find out what In the Pocket is all about. And, you know, I got a live record coming out that's pretty exciting from the Keswick Theater, which was a great show for us and we celebrated the 90th anniversary of that theater and we recorded it and that record will be available right now i think that you know as this podcast is there and you can get david also get in the pocket live at the keswick theater 15 songs on the on the record we played like 22 songs at the show and it was just a, a labor of love, a lot of fun. Anybody that gets it's going to really enjoy it. I'll be sure to check that one out. Hey, you do a cool weekly podcast with Andy Weinberg yes. and, our, and our friends at Wildfire Radio. What's the podcast yes. all about, and where can people listen? Well, if you go to Wildfire Radio, uh, you can type in David Oskin is in the pocket. You can also get it at iTunes, they, I think, uh, the podcast app. You can type that in. And that basically is a music-type podcast. It's like you know, sitting in on a, you're on a conversation with two musicians, and Andy, of course, is a an amazing music journalist that we just chat about themselves and the, and the music and we hang out and you're like sitting in with a cup of coffee with a couple of buds talking about making a record or that kind of thing. Eight of them. As you know, it's a fun thing doing a podcast. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. They are good people down at Wildfire. Hey, you've got a show Absolutely. coming up April 6th at the Ardmore Music yes. Hall. What can fans expect when they come out to see you? Oh, man, it's going to be a great night. Andy King, who I played with, who sang, we've seen the sky with diamonds. We played that at Giant Stadium when we did Amnesty International. And Andy, we, I didn't see him for a, quite a long time. And we just played together at you know, the Keswick Theater. And, and he does a rendition of Lucy and a great version of Streets of Philadelphia, uh, the Bruce Springsteen song. He's going to join us at the Ardmore Music Hall on April 6th. You can get tickets at the Ardmore Music Hall website. It's going to be a rocking night. Ben Arnold will be there. Tommy Conn will be there. Richard Bush will be there. Andy King will be there. Steve Butler, or the whole crew, Charlie Ingwie, Don Van Winkle. It's going to be quite a night. Dave, let's finish up with a game of Fast Five. I'm going to hit you with five simple questions. Keep your answers brief. Enjoy this. Here we go. You mentioned uh, some of your favorite Eagles from back in the day. Who was your favorite Philly back in your formative years? Johnny Callison. Oh, uh, uh, you know what? Cookie Rojas. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, mine was Dick Allen, Richie Allen back in the mid-60s. Yeah, I love Dick Allen, too, man. All He's right. great, too. You're an accomplished drummer, obviously. Who are some big-name drummers that you admire? Well, of course, the legendary buddy Rich Hal Blaine just passed away. Yeah. Joe Fusatis. I love Jim Keltner. The first album I remember buying was Magical Mystery Tour. What's the first album or 45 you remember owning as a kid? 
Uh, I saw her standing there. It's a 45. Beatles, yeah. yeah. Number four. I saw her standing there. Is there a yeah. Philly song in the pocket hasn't yet tackled that's on your list? Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I'm teaching at the School of Rock, helping them put a show together for their performance of Philly songs, and I fell in love with, oh, well, I've always loved this song, but I want to do it now. So I'll be around by the, oh, God. Is it stylistic? Spinners. Thank Spinners. you very much, Jack. I'll be around. Great song. And number five, uh, you were on the Goldberg last year. How much fun was it donning those uh, 1980s outfits and being on the Goldbergs? <laughs> my wig fell off my head, right? Yep. They gave me a wig. I still have quite a bit of hair. But the funny thing is, if you watch that episode, you look closely, they use the episode where my wig spins off my head. <laughs> yeah, it does. That is funny. All right, folks, get out and see David Wasikinen's In the Pocket. Some tickets remain for the April 6th show at the Ardmore Music Hall. You will love it, I promise. Dave, this has been loads of fun. Thanks much. Uh, thank you much, Chet. Talk to you later, man. Go Birds, go Phillies, go Sixers, go Flyers. Hey, Chet, man, <laughs> that's great stuff. I sit there smiling. <laughs> Started the smile started with John uh, with with Ben Hawkins and Norm Snead throwbacks, and then we went Johnny Callis and Cookie Rojas, and of course all the music stuff was great too. And are you going to Ardmore to check that show out? Yeah, I'll be there. It's a week from Saturday, April sixth. And how about him mentioning Cookie Rojas? We just had a Facebook uh, post today from one of our friends talking about, I guess, Cookie's son being a broadcaster and a lot of people remembering Cookie Rojas and Bobby Wine. And then uh, David Wasikinen mentions Cookie Rojas as being his favorite player. How about that? How about that? Good stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you pulled a rabbit out of the hat on this one. I wasn't quite sure what to think, and uh, you've done good. Well, like I said, we talked for, I think it was 22 minutes, and I had to edit it down to make it, you know, fit in our program. And uh, we somehow did it. We could have gone 22 minutes since we never got a hold of Dan Baker tonight, but who knew that was going to happen? Yeah, well, and I'll tell you what, it sounded, it, it really sounded like a couple guys sitting around drinking a couple beverages and, and chatting. It was cool stuff. And I have checked out David's podcast, and he does have some great guests on there, a lot of Philly music legends on there. And uh, he does a real nice job. It is, it's like they're sitting there and they're just talking about music for 45 minutes to an hour at a time. It's good stuff. I can't recommend it highly enough. David Wasikinen's In the Pocket. So check it out. All right. Hey, Chet, did you know 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, it does sound like me, you need to talk to Dave Lavoie from Allstate and Westchester, PA. Yeah, the same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal, then show you the right financial solutions to help you get there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It's 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoie at Allstate, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, on a totally different note, it was on this day in 1971 that New York radio station WNBC banned this song by Brewer and Shipley because of its alleged drug references and then other stations around the country follow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that ages us a good bit, Chet, because has the world changed a lot since then? And then the funniest thing was Lawrence Welk Show. Remember the Lawrence Welk Show? They had their yep. people doing a version of One Toke Over the Line, and I still watch that occasionally on YouTube because it just cracks me up. 
<laughs> well, you, you've done you've done good again because you pulled that rabbit out of that. <laughs> I try. I well, try. hey, you and I disagree about the importance or lack of importance of that Celtics game, but maybe more important for the Sixers, the back-to-back losses to the Hawks and the Magic – uh, games they certainly should have won. The Flyers are out of gas. As we said, Nova got run out of the dance uh, pretty easily by Purdue. You know, we could argue about that whole Sixers-Celtics thing for hours, but in all honesty, I'd continue to tell you that it was more important that the Sixers found out that they really can beat the Celtics than winning either of those next two games. I didn't see the Hawks game, uh, but I turned on the Monday night game against the Hawks the, I'm sorry, against the uh, Magic, just in time to see some dreadful fourth-quarter basketball by the Sixers. Even so, the Sixers, with eight games left, can go 5-3 and three and match last year's 52 wins. But they really need to get ready for the playoffs, continue to get to know one another, and figure out what the rotation should be beyond the five starters. So eight important games down the stretch, not necessarily getting the wins and losses. I think they're locked into the third seed, but just getting mentally ready and learning about, you know, each other's tendencies ahead of the start of the playoffs. Well, I, I don't know that they really are locked into that third seed. Uh, I believe they're just two games ahead. Yeah, they're um, not locked in. They're not locked in. Yeah, but I think they yeah. will win, you know, a bunch. No, right. But what do you think about this load management deal? And, and <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't, I, I don't know that I can be happy sitting here saying, well, they're going to go 5-3 and three and end up with the same record as last year. This team should be a lot better, and it just never appears like there's any urgency. Now, the the second half of the Celtics game after uh, the, the little pushing contest, I think they did play with some urgency there, but they haven't played before or after that. No, and I think part of the problem is I think they think they are better than some of these other teams, and if they just kind of stay there with them through two and a half, three quarters, that they're going to win in the end. Well, they found out against Atlanta and against Orlando that that doesn't always happen. They did step up, you know, three times over the last uh, three weeks in beating the Celtics and the Bucks and the Pacers. But then, you know, you lose games to the Hawks and the Magic, and you are hurting your chances of, you know, locking into that third spot. You're making a little more work for yourself that shouldn't be there. So every game is important. Now, not necessarily to get the W. They should, like I said, I think get the third seed because they're just good enough to do so. But they got to start playing better ahead of the playoffs because they're still making turnovers in some of the games. Their defense was awful the other night. And, look, we're both T.J. McConnell fans, but – he was brutal on uh, Monday night. He had, what, two points in 29 minutes and only two assists. I know he's a backup, and normally he's only going to be playing 10 or 12 minutes, but that was not what we uh, have come to expect from T.J. McConnell, having watched him over the last few years. No, no. And, and I guess the thing that worries me the most, even with eight games to go, is, is they're just so inconsistent. Uh, you know, it's not a switch. You don't turn on a switch and all of a sudden start playing great and playing as a team. And I think we've talked about this now for two, if not three weeks, heading down the stretch. They needed to get some consistency going. And the way it's going right now, I'm just not seeing it. And it's almost like with the, with the load management that they don't seem concerned about it. And that, I find that really interesting. And their next game's against Brooklyn, who they could see in the playoffs. And it's a team that has given them some trouble this year. So, you know, I want to see them make a statement and say, hey, we are better than you, and we're going to show you this whole game Thursday night. So, for me, this is an important game. They've got to come back from these two losses 
and show the Nets who the better team is. So I'm going to be watching that one and, uh, you know, hoping that the Sixers put on a show. We will see. Hey, speaking of uh, putting on a show, the Flyers did not put on a show because they've run out of gas. The Carter Hart magic ended. Uh, You know, I think we have a pretty good idea of where this team really is. They're probably right about where they should be. Maybe they're one spot better, two spots better. They're certainly not a top four or five team, um, but they could also have been a couple of spots worse, too, if not for, for what Carter Hart did for them. So I think it's interesting to see how this is going to play out in the offseason from both the coaching standpoint and what kind of bodies they're going to move around. There were a lot of positives this year. I mean, especially Carter Hart uh, coming up and showing that he can be the real long-term guy in goal. The other thing, you had uh, a lot of guys really showing some progress, including uh, Nolan Patrick the last few weeks. JVR got off to a slow start. He had the injury the first week, and then he really picked it up of late. Uh, Konechny has been pretty good. Uh, still some inconsistencies on the defense, but I'm optimistic those guys will be okay. We'll see what happens with the coaching situation. We know that uh, they re-signed Michael Roffel. I guess that's a good thing. So I think better days are ahead for the Sixers, and, or for the Flyers, rather. And uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason to see what they do to try to bolster the situation. Absolutely. It, uh, the, coach, the coaching situation will be at the top of the list. We'll see how that goes because I think that will set – the trend for how a lot of things go after that. So going to be interesting there. And, hey, let's uh, let's jump over real quick to the basketball, to the NCAA. We talked about Villanova. No need to beat that up anymore. Uh, but we're down to the Sweet 16. Any changes in your prediction? Who you like to win this thing now? You know, I, I picked North Carolina to win it all. And uh, because I was having such a great time down in sunny Florida Thursday through Sunday – I saw less college tournament action this year than I think I ever did. I did, though, manage to see the final three minutes of that Duke-UCF game at a bar in Dunedin, of all places, but I didn't see much else. I have no idea which of the remaining 16 teams will be in it. Um, I guess Duke would still be the favorite since they survived, but I don't know. I haven't watched enough. I was really hoping Duke was going to get knocked off, to be honest. Well, they were awful close, and I'm not sure there might not have been a little bit of a phantom call there. Speaking of instant replays, uh, not yeah. a little bit of a phantom call that created a situation for them to win that game. UCF certainly gave them all they could handle, and uh, you know, but but that might be all they need. You know, you you live to play another day, and then all of a sudden you you whip the next team, and you're back on a roll, and next thing you're in the final. So, you know, I think Duke is still the team. North Carolina uh, has won both their games big. Virginia is still in their driver's seat over there as the number one seed, and so is Gonzaga over on the other side. But they'll place a, they'll face a tough Florida State team here coming up. So, going to be interesting to see. But I think uh, for now, you still I would still have to say that Duke's going to be the team. All right, we shall see what happens. Uh, they pick it up again on Thursday. Yes, they do. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 
118RASROOM. That's right. It's PPCC118RASROOM on Facebook. And, Bill, by the way, I saw yesterday you had a pretty cool item, a Bruno Sammartino robe. I wish I would have gotten in on that one. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Chet, uh, along with the San Martino robe was a Ric Flair robe. And that was the fastest Raz that ever took place in the PPCC 118 wow. Raz room. It took 22 minutes to sell it out. And there was uh, also a George Foreman glove and a Mike Tyson autograph shirt. But the, everybody wanted the Ric flare robe then that's what the winner got and i would have gone for bruno had i won there you go who knew all right hey chet tell us who's coming to the philly press box radio roundtable next week bill next week Dan Baker? The bill, the, no well we, we'll see <laughs> the <laughs> phillies will have five games that count in the books already and we will talk more baseball with one of our favorite guests no not dan i don't think uh a guest who i mentioned no, I didn't mention him at all. I did see this guy, though, down in Florida. He's a longtime Phillies broadcaster who these days is spending a lot of time in the Clearwater area. He does the PA work, speaking of PA guys, for the Phil's spring games. We are talking wheels, the great Chris Wheeler. Also joining us, Bill, will be our pal Fred Hugo to talk Sixers and whatever the heck else we get to with Fred. Hey, I'll tell you what, I, it's going to be fun to talk to wheels because I'm, I'm going to tell you, Chet, I think he's going to be pretty fired up, too, and uh, I think he's going to be high on the wins list. Yeah, we did talk about uh, five minutes or so on Sunday, and he is excited about this season. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to make a prediction. He says he told me last year he's not a big guy on predictions, but I know he is optimistic. He's feeling good about this team, although, like me, he's got some concerns about the pitching, too, after the first couple of guys. Well, who doesn't? All right. All right, Chad, how about a parting shot for you tonight? I do not have one, even though there is a little bit of crap we missed. There's not much. Just some random things, Bill. No playoffs for LeBron James and the Lakers this year. I can't say that I'm upset about that. Rob Gronkowski decided the other day to call it a career. I know he was a Patriot, but I did kind of enjoy watching Gronk play. Harry Callis would have celebrated birthday number 83 on Tuesday. T-Mac does a great job, but... I miss Harry Decay. He's been gone 10 years next month. Hard to believe, Harry. And it's a shame I was in Florida over the weekend because I missed out on the Eagles cheerleader auditions on Saturday. Now, I didn't see anything on the sign-up info page about age or gender, so I might have had a shot, Bill. You never know. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. That's all I got. Well, I, I tell you what, you would probably fit in pretty well with them. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't hey, know if my legs are of Speaking of opponents and one of the most hated opponents of our Eagles, uh, the, those Dallas Cowboys, but Michael Irvin in the hospital with possibly throat cancer. Don't want to see that happen to anybody, and uh, I don't care if he was a Dallas Cowboy, Miami Hurricane, or anybody else that I don't like. Uh, yeah. Don't want to see that sort of thing happen to anybody. Who else could we boo if he went yeah. around? Yeah, that's a so, shame to not see that. Yep. All right, Jet. I have nothing else. Do you have anything else while we have 30 seconds? I will be at Philly's opening day tomorrow, hoping to see a lot of friends. I'll be there bright and early in the parking lot. I'll probably have a couple of adult beverages before the game, just so you know. Uh, it's going to be fun. going to be a nice day. Go, Phils. Have a great season. And I will be headed to Chantilly, Virginia, Chet, to the big man memorabilia show that takes place three times a year there in Chantilly. Loaded with great guests, Hall of Famers from everywhere, and uh, 
I'll be there hanging out with my buddy Chip Brady and uh and Bill Bill Mattis will be there. So looking forward to seeing those guys and uh it'll be a lot of fun. Wrap it up. So with that, we have reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest, David Jet. Well, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sutherland's Like Your PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio Wednesday, April 3rd at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes and TuneIn. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.